Hello and welcome to The Chess Bits, the podcast where three guys, apparently, but not today, three guys talk about chess occasionally. My name is Phil Makepeace and today I am joined, and joined alone, by Mr. Bonji Porto. Bonji, ça va? Bonjour, bonjour. How are you doing, Phil? I'm okay. I think, like you, I have been spending most of the last week watching the snooker. Is that correct? Have you been watching the snooker? I'm mainly asking you just because I really like how you pronounce the word snooker. Oh, um, yeah, well, snooker, snooker was great. Um, snooker. Snooker. Um, yeah, we've got a new world champion, and not just in chess, but in snooker. And uh, same, like, I think I've been really amazed, like a lot of people, by this... A uh, new Chinese um, player, 20 year old, was just like absolutely, absolutely magnificent. And then, of course, you know, congratulations to the new new champion, uh, Belgian Lucas Bressel. Yeah, at one point I did wonder whether we we're going we're to get the first Chinese snooker world champion and the first Chinese snooker, sorry, the first Chinese chess world champion at the same time. But alas, uh, your, your mate. Mr. C didn't quite uh, get it done against Mr. Brussel. He was, what, nine frames up? It was a ridiculous comeback. But, uh, yeah, Brussel, um, I mean, you're French. How big is snooker actually in France? Because Belgium clearly didn't have much going on for it. <laughs> yeah, nothing. But, look, they've got... Um, it's a very flat country, so I guess to set up the tables and stuff is probably very easy. So, you know, they should have some kind of natural advantage. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fringe it's a fringe pastime and sport, to be honest. So, um, yeah, kudos, kudos to him. I suppose that's a very good point. Yeah, Belgium, Netherlands, I don't know, bits of East Anglia, more far more suited to... Uh... Yeah, that's strange, isn't it? There's lots of very... There's lots of Scottish... Very good Scottish players, and it's just hills up there. So you wonder how they managed even to get the tables flat. That's ridiculous. Anyway, um, as you, if you are a long-time listener, you will know about our little tangents, mainly mainly in the past about snooker. Let's, let's, let's be honest about it. But today we will be mainly talking about the Chess World Championship. Bonji has also got a little thing to plug at the end and I think he's also got something to plug at the beginning I believe the last time possibly not the last time we had you on but we had you on a couple of years ago because you had talked to the amazing Isabelle Choco uh, the Auschwitz survivor and French women's champion and I believe that she's she's kept talking her and Jen just never, never stopped talking and they've released they've released another another thing isn't that right yeah so um I had arranged for a record, um, a podcast interview with Jen, Jen Shahadi, uh, a friend of the pod, shoot out to Jen. And um, the, the idea was um, once, you know, uh, pandemic's under control and so on and so forth, and that Jen's in France, that uh, we could meet up uh, in person. Um, and that, that finally happened. And so uh, Jen was in Paris earlier this year. Um, and um, yeah, chess.com was also interested into making a um, a little video documentary. So it's like kind of like Jen's participating as an interviewer, but it was all uh, directed uh, by um, yeah the great uh, chess.com employee Chandler Tonfa. Shout out to to Chandler as well. Um, 
and we we've had a, a great little interview um it was it was fantastic um jen even played a game with um with isabel uh which uh, yeah was remarkable um and um yeah i'm assuming now, a game um, of chess not a game of snooker yes um <laughs> now sadly um uh, isabel at to, she was still at home now she she had to be moved to like um uh, a home because she's not able to be on her own anymore um so i think it was fantastic to be able to to be in in a flat um you know uh with with lots of uh you know books and memories and photographs uh and it's just it's just a fantastic we'll put the link in the show notes absolutely and yeah i mean this was out on this is all out on the all of the usual channels as well i suppose yeah yeah it's on um yeah. it's like yeah on jen's twitter on chess.com's twitter on the chess.com youtube channel yeah we'll we will certainly help uh, publicize this very worthy project that you guys have got going on and yeah isabel what what a woman okay so let's first talk about what actually happened so last time we were on we had just rounded up games 10 and 11 so there were three to go and game 12 itself was uh, quite quite the uh, quite the event where mr ding got it done very quickly and um yeah it was a pretty good game have you been were you watching much of it um, I've been following, like you know, um, uh, a little bit, but mostly following the recaps. Um, I very much enjoy throughout the whole World Championship um, the French coverage by uh, Blitzstream Kevin Bordy. Um, absolutely fantastic, uh, you know, to give some atmosphere, but also like you know, his YouTube recap um, are really good. With usually with uh, also uh, GM uh, Fab Libby. So, uh, yeah, just uh, because, you know, there's only so much you, you see at, uh, at, at the amateur level. So um, getting like, you know, uh, obviously very strong players, um, uh, color on the game is uh, is quite important. So, Benji, I don't want to blow your horn too much, but you have been working, have you not, with professional players in terms of psychology and this mistake that Jan made in game 12 having yeah, he was winning at one point wasn't he i think and then it just went went to pot uh this complete aberration this f5 move on move 34 could i mean could are you able to put it into context in a sort of psychological bent because it's just a move that absolutely makes zero sense and he had plenty of time left on the clock he had 22 minutes to make seven moves and he plays this utter garbage move that's, I mean, it, it's really tough without knowing what the, the players have in mind. But I've heard a lot of, like, GMs and commentators say, like, we don't understand, we don't understand. It's like, well, as an amateur, you understand, like, you know you can't play this because, you know, there's a... And, and all of a sudden, he's seen that it doesn't work, but then it's as if, like the amateur, you forget, or this goes out of your mind, that the, the move is just not possible. And now is is um is it like the emotion of the moment that um it seemed like it's just it just was so strong he just 
pulled out like um, just the awareness of the position was gone yeah it just i mean it was one of those bizarre ones where i was working that day i was teaching and we were i had it going live um with a group of pretty good eight-year-olds like these guys are playing nationally there there's a it's a very it's one of my strongest school groups eight and nine-year-olds and when f5 was played there was an audible hush amongst these kids it's the quietest thing i've ever seen them where they just went but you i mean it, we have a bit of emphasis in our club on when and when not to move the f pawn it's a big thing of course and they're just kind of looking and going but and then one little boy piped up put his hand up but sir can't he just take the pawn and then immediately ding just like snaps it off and you just go I mean it wasn't was it immediate yeah it took about a minute I think he would have taken three seconds had he you know, not been so shocked by it but this is this is the thing of and I, I really like yeah this angle of looking at it from a kind of amateur perspective of well, obviously it can't happen because these are the th- things that I think players of my level, below whatever, will just automatically assume can't be played because of these very basic things. Whereas obviously this like galaxy brain 2800 player Nepo in this pressure moment just basically forgot very simple things. Um, it's an extraordinary blunder, but that aside i thought it was actually quite impressive how he just then held it together for the next game because game 13 he's obviously had this absolute horror show the day before because i think what's what had happened before that correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that every loss before that he'd had a day to recover possibly well certainly most of the other at least one of the other two losses and this time he had to really pick himself up to game 13 and actually seemed to yeah play okay with white the next day didn't he yeah well it, it helps a little bit that is with white um uh, yeah i mean this um yeah it's it's somehow um so much back and forth and so much uh, ups and downs uh, from, from from both players. And um, I mean, I think this World Championship was just a magnificent um, ad for chess. I mean, really, it's just it was it was just brilliant. Um, what did you think of um, the level of play for the tiebreak versus the level of play for the classical? That's a good question. Yeah, uh, the I thought that the hmm, I haven't really thought about that. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that Ding started with White meant that possibly he was able to settle a little bit more into those rapid play games, whereas Nepo was immediately the one under pressure, and. I mean, the the game itself, game one, uh, there was one particular moment where Ding had a small edge and then, yeah, just didn't quite manage to to get it done. I um, mean, he had this enormous knight on d6. I don't know if you recall. It was just a very nice position. Um, 
And then there were some really fun tactics in game one where, yeah, Ding did actually quite well not to blunder into mate. I mean, do you remember it was a, a beautiful thing where uh, Nepo offered his queen yeah. in exchange for it would have been a mate on H1. It was it was a lovely little a lovely little uh, escape from Nepo. Yeah. So I thought Ding was able to go into it, but then Nepo finding this stuff clearly sharp, very... I thought that was one of the best games of the whole thing, actually. Um and it was one of the few times that <laughs> an exciting game didn't result in some kind of uh, absolute nonsense where one player just um, just collapsed and you know, they had yeah. this draw. I think overall, though, games two, three, and four were weren't amazing, and game four clearly, which was decisive, was. Um, Nepo just seemed to put himself under completely unnecessary pressure. I actually did a little dummy game today where I gave people the position. I gave a group of uh, teenagers in one of my sessions a um, the position after after Rook G6, this incredible move where he just mm-hmm. self-pins. And I gave them at the exact clock times. So where Nepo has... White has uh, 2 minutes 39, and obviously getting 10 seconds a move, and Ding has 1 minute 23. Have a guess what the... I mean, these are... I tried to pair everyone roughly equally, and these all kids are all around the 17, 1800 mark. Have a guess what the score was out of the seven games. <laughs> That's tricky because... Um, I mean, the, 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 the plan to unpin, like, to get the queen back, was that that was just so amazing. If you don't see this, I mean... Like uh, H4 H5, like your your rooks instantly like instantly lost. On the other side, like these pawns are just really rolling down the board really fast. So um, I really have no idea what your little experiment. Uh... A, a white one seven nil. Wow, wow. <laughs> because because not many people found the the way of C4 Queen D3 to get that pin gone. Um. And yeah, this H four H five was quite compelling, as a as a way of doing. So I have, basically, I have absolutely no truck really with Nepo's play at the end there. Obviously, he made the mistake and it lost him the world championship. But under that pressure, with that position, um, with that amount of time left, I think it's perfectly reasonable that he missed Ding's reply. I I think it's um, it's a position that you. If you gave him five minutes, I think he'd be fine. But two? I think yeah, this, I mean, this Rook G6 thing just threw Nepo completely, and it's the, it's the move of the match, right? The Rook G6 is the move of the match. It is so amazing. Um, and it's like basically refusing the, the draw fur, right? It's basically, no, I'm not taking the draw fur. And all of a sudden, like, Nepo is completely, completely destabilized by this. And um, and then the the following play is just is just is just really masterful. I mean, the fact that like Nepo misses a draw at the end is like is quite academic because it's just really uh, an engine um, engine like right. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic. And and really, it's like um, uh, yeah, Nate Solon was tweeting like people go into chess thinking it's gonna be like you know like an accumulation of learning whether but actually it's just like it's just a fight and it really showed like you've got to have the will to win you've got to have the will to like uh just go and make moves to 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 win the game right and um uh really just 
ding ding just to show this like i'm going for it and and just absolutely uh you know no reaction uh they um matter of fact just keep on playing i was it was amazing um but that's funny what you i just want to 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 comment like um i think it was after game 12 after the night g5 um lee chess started a um a thematic arena where uh you'd play from that position um after night g5 and and you you'd like alternate it was like unrated and and you'd play like white and black and so on and i played a little bit and it's like it's it's very interesting because when you listen to the commentary it's like they show they, they walk you through all the defensive move and you're like yeah actually the defense is like very logical and, and straightforward but like when you've got to play um and <laughs> under under pressure quote-unquote uh uh the position is like it's 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 like not so easy uh but you know i think it's it's like everything you know there's been lots of talk about the level and so on but like look everybody's everybody's looking at this at home with the engine and it's it's just so different and and that's something that also you, you you don't see um um at the crucible i mean when you are in the snooker arena next to the player you feel the tension so much and um yeah like the 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 amount that um they are both on the chess and the snooker is just uh it's just tremendous but um yeah this world championship i mean i think that the the things that really were impressive were um i think like the amount of counterplay that um uh both players were able to to bring up especially nepo where it seems like there's nothing happening, but all of a sudden it's like, it's, it's, it's like trying to set up like a mating attack out of nowhere. Um, and also there were quite a few instances where Ding at the momentum and all of a sudden he messes up and he has to move to defensive mode and he instantly managed to like say, okay, the sink I've made up and like has the mental flexibility to move into a defensive mode. That was like, I think, uh, quite quite impressive yeah i mean i think this world championship is going to I, I mean i can't remember a recent world championship where i can have this recall of the the, the key moments there were so many more so much more richness to the key moments the the, the change like the nepo's queen h4 this little bluff um to to uh to hold that particular game and Ding's rook d2 to d3, and this rook g6, and f5, and knight rook takes d4. Look, all of these moves, I know it's in the recent memory, that's why we're <laughs> I'm able to roll them off now. But I bet you, in two years' time, I will be able to have a, have a, a stab at recreating those exact moments where I can't remember a single one from Carlson Nepo hmm. or Carlson Carrarana or Carlson I mean, Carlson Karyakin has that the, the queen sack to win it that's nice yeah that's a famous one but I think what we had here was a real richness to the positions that is far more accessible to amateurs and casual fans and it's a shame that so much of the commentary and the coverage has been computer driven because 
while obviously we want to be able to get into the truth of the position, having that live or pre almost like pre live, isn't it? You you know what's you know what the best move is five minutes before someone plays it. What's what's the point of that? Um, I think that think there's something needs to be done about the coverage because on the official stream on the official coverage the the white and black uh, engine analysis and the evaluation is not something that you can not have on the video stream on the on the on the commentary and that just seems counterintuitive because it's just i don't know yeah do you, do you do you agree yeah um well um that's why I, I quite enjoy Blitzstream uh, coverage because they they would not use they would turn it on at times like they'd analyze for a while and then they they they'd look at what the computer likes and then like you know sometimes comment on it but like the main commentary would just be purely um, uh, completely um, based off their uh, their analysis and calculation and um, and that's like that's a uh, very rich and um, you know even like Kevin Kevin is like uh, like of GM strengths on uh, in in Blitz, so they they and 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 him and, um, and 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 Fab they would they would do like absolutely great. Uh, they I think without the the engine they really get into how hard or how difficult or comfortable the position is much more than this is better this is uh, because this this engine doesn't tell you how difficult the position is and that's what's most important right. No, exactly. The whole practicality of the position and how it's easier to play particular positions than than others is is something that I think is lost at the moment in like chess teaching. You know, you you have these recap videos that go, oh well, this is better for white, and then or even just like little tweets by whomever that go, oh, the engine suggests this, and then you go, well, why? was you just need it just needs one sentence of of explanation and it would help everyone and it also um i mean do you do you think it possibly sort of marginalizes the coverage to to people who are of a particular level who can maybe look at a position and go well yes this is why you know this is plus one or whatever because I don't know, below a certain level, you're just going to go, well, so what? Why? You just need that little bit of explanation, don't you? I think a lot of players will be in for the overall emotional ride. I don't know if, like, a lot of, like, you know, the newcomers to chess, they would be really, um, you know, into, like, trying to really understand what's happening, if if you see what I mean. Um, um, As in... uh, uh, you know, but it's it's the same like when you're just like a casual fan of a sport, you're not necessarily interested into the minutia of the tactics and strategy, but just like, you know, the overall uh, uh, picture of what's happening. And, you know, if it keeps like, I think in terms of like getting people more interested into chess, uh, that was just that was just fantastic. I think also this is something that, yeah, we see in snooker. This, the, 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 snook, the snooker commentary is done by these former world champions these greats of the game who are able to explain the little basic things of why a, why the, the black being 
over on the cushion is bad or good or whatever in such a way that chess I think struggles a little bit with it's, it's not the, necessarily the quality of commentary but just the, this over-reliance on quite deep things whereas actually the the deeper you I mean didn't they did they have um did they have a specific deep dive because this is what they had last time wasn't it with the with Carlson Nepo you had the the regular commentary and then you had the deep dive with Anand or whomever it was and I'm not sure did that exist this time I'm not sure it did, did because that's what that's what was it was really good you had like the the basic one and then your your mental one <laughs> yeah I'm not quite sure either uh, because that's something that Chess24 used to do um, with several level of, of commentary. And um, I think they've they've kind of like, you know, with the whole Chesscom merger that this has like changed. So I wasn't um, I, I wasn't too much, you know, following the um, the other commentaries. Everybody was doing recaps and stuff like that. And uh, I know even, you know, um, uh, Fabiano on the on the it go into like incredible detail like an hour and a half and and going from move like from the first few moves it go into incredible detail on the openings and stuff so i mean it's it's fantastic material to 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 go back to but like uh extremely hard you know to um you know even if you're motivated into you you would just like i mean just watching one recap is like already like um uh, a lot right in the day so I suppose we need to ask some big questions. Firstly, do you think that Nepo lost the rapid play tiebreaks because someone nicked his sleeping pills? So what happened was his sleeping pills went his sleeping pills, which he'd been using throughout the event, uh, went walkies on Saturday night, and he yeah basically said that he was shattered because he didn't get any sleep on Saturday. Well, that's tricky. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. Use these to to these. Um, so the first thing I I looked up was like, are these like um, allowed by uh, anti doping? And um, it is allowed. Um, I'm assuming it's like um, it's like an ambient style. Um, I forgot the name of the of the molecule. Um, start with a Z something. Um, I mean these things. Like, I don't know how much of restful sleep they give you. Um, maybe it's still better than like not sleeping properly. Um, it's 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 kind of like I don't want to accuse people, but you know, um, I don't know. It's 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 to me. It's, it's there's a little bit of like blame and excuse making. Um, I think he's not really been taken responsibility for his own um for his own loss um okay yeah that's possible uh, i i don't know how big of a of a factor it is uh i'm interested is like he said there's like three other pills he brought so i'd be very curious to know what these three other types of pills are yeah i don't know but yeah this whole thing of um yeah he was definitely he gave a very frank interview to sean ingle formerly of this parish i think or it was part of it's joining it was part of the the interview process certainly so we'll we'll dig that out um link to that from our from our feed but yeah this i don't know i mean as someone who 
struggles to play two games in a day to play a fourth the fourth game just seems to be too too much after after this poor night's sleep but there's been, there's been other things like things had to, had to move hotel and i don't know there was a lot of like mini drama with the leak and everything uh um and it's been yeah, it's been there. fun hasn't it <laughs> it's been a fun month certainly <laughs> it's, it's been yeah it's been crazy but yeah i i appreciate that it sounds like is coming up to but it's also very hard to convey that okay, bad things happen to you without making sound that you're really uh, complaining. Um, so you know, it's it's really a case of like these sleeping pill things brings up so many more questions that it solves. It's like, well, how often did you take it, um, and 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 how used or critical are they to your own preparation and so on and so forth. That now with just the little bit of information we have is just uh, kind of frustrating. Yeah, let's look forward. So, is Ding, do you think, going to be viewed as a quote-unquote legitimate world champion? I, I have, I have strong opinion. I think, I think you see, historically, to have a match was the only way to know who was the strongest player in the world. But now we've got like, I mean, we've got the Elo system. We've got like. A gigantic amount of data, and it's absolutely clear that Magnus Carlsen's the best player in the world. But that's not what this is about. This is a world championship, and the analogy I'd like to do is like, um, uh, look at Roland Garros in 2015. Stan Wawrinka won. Uh, does that mean he was the strongest player ever on clay? Well, no. Nadal, Nadal was the strongest. It was strongest. Everybody knew this the, the year before. Everybody knew this the year after. But that that year, well, Vavrinka won it fair and square, and and he's, he was uh, the the champion. So I don't understand. No other sport does this. Like somehow, your strongest player has to be the world champion. Like, um, it's it's it is so weird that uh, chess is hung up on this. I don't know if it's like the weight of history. It has to be. It has to be just like um, somehow this um, idea that uh, only the strongest player has to be world champion. I mean, it's it's uh, to me to me it's nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I guess because it's an individual sport, you don't get this phenomenon where I don't know someone like George Best, who never played in the World Cup, wasn't one of the greatest players ever because he didn't play in the World Cup. That's clearly nonsense. In an individual sport, and you've mentioned tennis already, um, golf would be another where, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure Tiger Woods ever won the World Match Play Championship, but he was clearly probably the um, one of the best. Um, I think that, I mean, we talked about it last time with Robin where I said that you're going to get some differences anyway because the qualification process is almost all tournaments and then you have a match play final. So there are different strengths in match play as opposed to playing in an all-player. If the format was consistent, then I think that would increase the legitimacy of any world champion, not really focusing on Ding here or whomever, I think that there's something not quite right with the format where you can have 
this kind of ring-fenced qualification procedure, but then you also have the Grand Chess Tour and the World Cup where you can get qualifiers from that for the... Um, so I, I suppose in a way that's okay because you get one Swiss qualifier, almost an open, and one match play in the World Cup qualifier. But I would much rather have a like a big qualification procedure and then it be a like a double round robin or maybe more <laughs> to to get it because I think and this is why Magnus is not played, right? I mean part of it is that it's just not worth his time anymore to prepare for three, four months and then play for a month and then have all the associated whatever to do with it. I think you're right. There's a historical factor here that actually maybe just doesn't doesn't need to exist anymore. Maybe match play is is not the way to to fairly choose because I think it's just too much. <laughs> I don't know. You work with professional chess players, right? I mean, how long and how much of a toll does a match like this take? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's 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 incredible the 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 life cost in terms of like you know just retreating into a camp. That's why Magnus didn't want to do it anymore, right? It's just it's just not worth it. Um, I think it's just the whole randomness and the weirdness of the candidates with all this pass and well, especially with what happened with like Ding not being qualified and so on and so forth. I mean, before it used to be match play all the way along the candidates. I mean, I don't know Chester's history well enough to know when this was stopped, but at least there was some 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 coherence. Um, I mean, I would I would love it if it was um, if it was uh, you know yeah just like like snooker you've got a new world champion every year and guess what the the strongest player will win most of them right right we've got all runnings with all our, all his titles and so on but also um other players um and i think i th- i see a lot of players a lot of pros they take the um, the world rapid and blitz more and more seriously i think this has gained a legitimacy in the past few years that they didn't have before and now people are like it becoming more of a focal point in the year because it's so random to well random there's there's it's yeah it is random to qualify for the candidates i mean even if you're a top 10 player it's it's like by no means guarantee that uh yeah. you 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 you'll get a spot um but the 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 world rapid and blitz it's um it's great and same look magnus has won so many titles but Dubov's won once. Um, uh, a blitz player like uh, Grishuk won it, and it's fu- it's it's fantastic that uh, you know we we can say that these players have won uh, have won have won a title. So, yeah, I think that there's. I mean, in terms of the history, there uh, basically it was candidate uh, matches uh, match play was up until 1993. And then after that, Kasparov just chose his next two challenges, basically. And then it went from there where, you know, to, to reunify things, they had to have this tournament. And then it just became... That tournament was an eight-player all-player, and then suddenly that became the qualifier. And these matches just disappeared. Um, 
because they had the World Cup. Because that's what happened, basically, isn't it? The FIDE World Champion, uh, the FIDE World Championship became what we now know as the World Cup, and then you had this match play thing. It's it's uh, you're right. The, the history doesn't quite compute, and I yeah I I agree. I don't see why we can't just have a a qualification procedure for a tournament that someone is going to be upset in you know that's just the way it works and we could uh we could argue all day about about that but i i like ding i think he's going to be a good world champion i mean he's, he's a quiet man but he's he's clearly a nice boy and uh i think it's um it's very good for the game that we've got someone who yeah just seems to play chess in the kind of right way and doesn't really and clearly shows his emotions as well during the game which is, i think is very relatable i mean even yesterday even not yesterday but in the uh in the final rapper play game lots of people going on about this second handshake whereas i think he was just being polite you know because he they shook hands nepo resigned they shook hands nepo then did a little, like a lap to, to sort of walk off his disappointment and then came back to the board and Ding offered his hand again and everyone's going oh did he forget well, no he's just being a gentleman you know, he's just going you know this is this they clearly got a lot of respect for each other and I think that we're yeah clearly the fact that it went to game four of the Rapids means that either of them would be you know a worthy world champion from this match and oh dear Nepo Nepo extremely disappointed but like I mean, it's it's hard to blame him, right? Like, um, it it's 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 gotta be extremely tough. So, you know, I won't. Yeah, you. you everybody's gonna process this differently. So, I'm not really blaming him for like, you know, um, reacting the the way he does. I I don't think he overreacted at all. I think he was just devastated. He didn't really know where to be. Um, I th- I think he behaved fine you know, compared to some of the the ways we've seen people behave after they lose a game. Or after they lose a world championship for the second time, having prepared twice for you know, half a year for it, I mean, it's um, it just must be devastating. Right now, you, Bonji, I have my hands here on mindfulness for the tournament player. So this is a course that Bonji has uh, has done. And uh, I'd like you to be able to talk about it because, yeah, that's your price. That's the, your, our price of admission for you today is for you to plug this. So what is mindfulness for the tournament player and where can people find it? So um, it is a series of guided meditation um, to be used during a tournament, right? So there's like specific sessions uh, to listen uh, before a game and then after a game, so if you've lost, you can listen to a specific uh, session. Uh, if you've won, you can also listen to a specific session. Um, if you need um, a rest, uh, there's a session for that. And uh, also there's one for the end of the tournament. Um, and there's also, as a bonus, a little session to help you prepare um, your pre-game routine. Uh, so this is all on the Teachable platform. And I've I've recorded uh, with uh, in professional condition um, video and audio of high quality, 
and so you can you can watch the video but i think most people will be wanting to listen to the audio which you can listen and you can also download and and keep for yourself if you want to have it on your phone or whatnot without accessing the the platform at all times uh so um we'll put a link in the show notes uh and it's also you know on my socials um so definitely i think it's something that is completely unique i mean if you make like you know the people that make opening courses there's like a complete template exactly what you need to do with like you know the the introduction and 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 your model games and your thematic tactics and so on and this is like um i got this idea for for for, for this and and it's like the big unknown because like there's absolutely no product like this uh on the market so um yeah just really looking forward to uh, uh people to try it out and um and and and, and get get feedback um so yeah that's that's the thing um mindfulness for the tournament player i noticed that there's um a chapter for after a win there's one for after a loss what would you advise for after a draw well so after a draw well the after a loss is to let go of a strong emotion it can be that you're extremely upset after your draw in which case you go for the 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 letting go of a strong emotion um uh one otherwise um well given that chess played perfectly is a draw maybe you just played perfectly in which case uh, you know keep going you're doing great yeah i think um i mean i played did my first weekend tournament for five years two weeks ago and i yeah absolutely struggled with the the second game in a day because that's not something that you get uh, otherwise. You know, I, I played a few rapid play tournaments, and you, but almost you're running on kind of like just adrenaline there, where the adrenaline just never disappears if you're playing a rapid play tournament. You just go game, 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 game. Whereas, yeah, the second game each day were definitely my my worst ones. So I think I will find a lot of use for this, particularly the um, yeah, just that how how to what to do in between those games. You've got like an hour this thing of just getting a, a proper rest and a proper feed possibly as well is um is something that yeah i'm looking forward to trying i've i've, I've been invited to uh an, an all-play all-event in july uh, the okay. kingston invitational so that's a nine game ten ten player all-play all so i'll have the same the same opportunity there i think where it's going to be two games a day so I will absolutely do it. And yeah, if you are interested in this course, uh, it is on the Teachable platform, as Benji says. And yeah, you can find the link in the notes to this show. And we're putting it on our Twitter. And also uh, Benji's got it on his Twitter. And you should absolutely follow him at... Benji Porto. Benji Porto. Okay, well, this has been our world championship package i suppose where yeah we've had these four episodes discussing various things to do with the world championship and also the world snooker championship in this episode for which i'm grateful to benji for his contributions on that because uh i think it's like tony miles it's like the 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 obligatory snooker reference if you if you listen to our very early episodes 
who always seem to be about snooker because John McKenzie, formerly of this parish, is a big snooker boy. But for now, uh, we will be back in some regular form uh, in a few weeks' time. I think we'll have a little a little breather. Um, Robin is currently sunning himself in Italy. But until then, uh, thank you very much, Benji. And yeah, please, we'd love to have you back on to maybe do like a live guided meditation or something, or just sure, to talk, time. or just to talk about snooker. Yeah. <laughs> so there well, we go. thank you very much. Great episode. Amazing uh, world championship. Uh, I'm I'm so happy. Still, uh, so many emotions. It was it was fantastic. So yeah, I'm sure like many chess fans. Um, and and yeah. Always glad to be on the podcast. Thank you very much. Right. All that remains for me to do is to uh, thank our sponsor, but we don't have one, so I'll just go straight to Benji. So it's uh, goodbye from Benji. Do, do, do. Do, <laughs> goodbye from me, Phil Mapies. Goodbye. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs>